Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you'll lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much. And who are, we, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the Jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. Good morning or whatever time it may be that you're listening in. We're sitting here counting down the days of February 2023. It is the 17th of the month. So that effectively means that February as it is, is more over than it is beginning. We're past the middle. Working our way towards March. A little bit of dusting of snow on the ground out here where we are. <clears throat> I have some stuff here that uh, the Lord has put upon me. My messages aren't always bubblegum and candy floss or cotton candy and popcorn. You know, you're not going to get the circus when you come to me. And uh, I, I pray we can get more people to bring this message out. Not mine, but the message that God creates in our hearts, that God gives us to do. To, to, I'm telling you, I, I'm so sick of narcissistic Christians. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a narcissistic Christian. And we're going to cover some things as well as we go along. And that came to me. I, I, you know, there's people who will sit in a church 
and let some guy speak whatever garbage or, you know, and that's mean. That's, that's a backhand. Let's put it this way. Well, that th- you'll let a bully thunder back and forth across the floors of the church. Not even really effective in the, in the passage of the scriptures. And then, you know, well, it's whatever I can get out of it. I'm all about me. It's, it's what I can get. Listen, you look around your church, and if you don't care about anybody else, you're a narcissist. If you look around and all you care about is what you're going to get, you're a narcissist. If you care about everybody, that they need to hear a pure, unadulterated, uncompromising, true word from the Lord on a Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and a Wednesday. If you believe that, then you're okay. But when you start to narrow it down, the funnel starts to narrow to the point where it's all about what I can drink. It's all about what I can eat. Uh, It's not what everybody else. Surely, yes, you care about what you put in your own ears. And if you're listening to me, I'm I'm humbled by it. Really, I am, uh, because, you know, there's not many that do, and that's okay. I don't need big numbers. I'm not here to get popular. I'm not here to become the next greatest thing on the planet. No. But I will tell the truth. I will expound Scripture. I will not hold back. It's time to quit. I want you to look. At the first century church, I was telling me and my wife were speaking earlier. And I says, you know, as I laid in bed doing my praying in the early morning, you know, a lot of things go through your head. A lot of things, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, your prayers, you know, if you're, if you're human anyway, uh, you know, I try to stay as spiritual with God as I can, but, you know, I'm still a human. And I get off track and, and, you know, weird things come into your brain and you have to push them away and ask God to help you with it. But, you know, he laid kind of something on me. He says, look at my first, look at the first century Christian church. The first century Christian church. The ones that were formed after the ascension of Jesus into heaven, after the day or at, I should say, at the day of Pentecost, and then forward. People died for the faith. People stood up in the face of a tyrannical government that would kill you because you believed in something besides the emperor. Now, you know, he, he found down the road that it was easier to, to play with it, and that's, that's where, you know, a lot of the, the paganism slid into the church but, or, or the church slid into paganism. But, you know, well, uh, I, uh, you know, once a year you got to come by and p- pledge your honor to the, to the Roman emperor, and a lot of them didn't. They had died for it. Do you know how they died? They, weren't, they didn't just, oh, well, he got old and he had a stroke or he had cancer or he had a heart attack or whatever. No. These were young people who were taken to the Colosseum and the lions were let loose on them. Do you think you could stand up to that? If you knew, because they, they would let you know, guess where you're going today, Christian? We're taking you to the Colosseum. Everybody knew what happened at the Roman Colosseum. Everybody. 
you know, you had the gladiator fights, of course. That was, you know, usually slave against slave, or they would have slaves and they would get a bigger guy to beat him to death, hack him to death. The emperor could throw his thumb up or down or whatever. But those Christians, they took them in there and they had all kinds of wild beasts, lions. And we, we always know about lions. The lions come out and eat them or tear them apart. There's a video out there that uh, somebody did. And it, it's, it's, of course, you know, it's a pretty good depiction. I, I'll have to try to find it again where, you know, it showed it, you know, in, in dramatic form. And I don't know how they did this, but you would see the lion just come out of that big paw and spop right alongside the head of the of the person. And there were women, and there were men, and there were children. They all died. Now there is accounts that say, I don't know if it was Josephus uh, or who that wrote it, that there were accounts of the what they call the Shekinah glory of God, the holy power of God resting on some of these people as they prayed on their knees, praying for deliverance, praying for, you know, the furtherance perhaps of the gospel. And there, there would be a, a glow about them that even the lions would deal with. and they probably turned them over to the humans. Now, it's easy to get yourself wrapped around the axles about this stuff, and I do. I, I, I apologize. But th- there's things that we have to be cautious of. Oh, you know, and the fact that, you know, the first century church, I mean, there was power in that church, right? Remember a, a, a married couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira that lied to Peter, saying, oh, here's all the money. We sold everything we had. And Peter says, why you lie to the Holy Ghost? He didn't say, why are you lying to me? That's what the, that's what the modern-day preacher or prophet would try to say. Oh, you're lying to me. You're, you're not telling me the truth, so therefore I'm going to nail you. No, it was, why are you lying to the Holy Ghost? And he would, Ananias dropped dead at the door of the church. And they carted him away and put him in the ground. A, a, a little while later, his wife, Sapphira, shows up and did the same thing. And he said, even, even at this point in time, your husband is being carried away. And you come and lie as well. Boom. I tell you what. Now, you've heard it a thousand times. I'll say it again, though. If that kind of power, the Holy Ghost power, was alive and well in the churches that we attend today, we would see very much different churches. We would see very much different Christians. We'd see people who would actually try to walk the path of God. We'd see people who would actually try to show up on a Sunday morning. We would see people who tried to actually live the Christian life during the week, knowing that the Holy Ghost is present with them, knowing that there is a time for everything. Remember that time is time to live, a time to die. And we all look at our, our, our longevity of life. You know, if you live 80, 90 years, that's short time in God's economy. 
you know, people that have had massive health issues and nothing changes in them. Is God not trying to wake them up? Is God not trying to tell them something? And I don't care if you're uh, part of the church or not in that regard. There's some people I've seen, you know, have big, big issues. And, you know, they, they bounce right back and they go right back to where they started or left off, which was not exactly on the track that you might want to be on as a Christian. Uh, Hebrews 12, if you want to follow in your Bible, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read several verses and I'm going to start in Hebrews 12, 12. That's a nice number. 12, 12. 12 disciples, 12 tribes of uh, Israel. Yeah, 12, it's a, it's a, it's a foundational number. It's a, it's a community number. It's a governmental number. It's a good number from God. Twelve, twelve, Hebrews twelve, twelve. Wherefore, let up. I'm sorry. Got to get my blow up the screen a little bit. Wherefore, lift up the the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame is turned out of the way. But, it, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see God. Uh, see the Lord. Sorry, shall see. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Now it goes on in 16 to talk about lest there be uh, fornicators or a profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Esau gave it all up. Esau is a picture of a weak, feckless, you know, he might have been the guy who went out doing the hunting, but he was and you know, strong in his body, but weak in his spirit, weak in his mind, that he gave up his entire birthright for a bowl of onion soup or bean soup, I'm sorry, for a morsel of meat sold his birthright. You know, Jesus says, he who endureth to the end shall be saved. Oops. Does that mean that, you know, as you come down to the knife at your throat and you say, okay, I, 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 I renounce God. You know, because you're 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 once saved, always saved. You 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 get and they still cut your throat, and you and you renounce Jesus with your last breath. What do you think your next breath will be like? He who endures to the end 
shall be saved. That doesn't mean you have to wait till the end. That means that you held on all the way to the end. Are you praying now for the for the peace of God, for the strength of God, so that when your day comes, whatever, however it may come, and I, I pray that it's an easy passage for just about anybody I know. But, you know, if it's a painful, arduous time, do you have the strength to stand with Jesus up to the end? Ask for it now, folks. You could be in the best of health, you know, or, or maybe you're getting older and it's failing. You better get quick with God. You know, don't, don't expect some preacher to get you there. He can't. The root of bitterness springing up trouble. (laughs) Well, actually, it doesn't say that, does it? Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Think about a root. What does a root do? You know, if you look at a, a mighty tree, a root goes down into the ground. And you know when you think about it, you know the roots and the and the shoot of the tree, the 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 plant, the shoot of it comes out of the top of the ground and grows into the tree. But underneath the ground, you see this mighty, um, especially with a, a you know like maybe an elm or a or a or a, a, a cherry tree or an oak, mighty oak, you know, those big roots that you see that go out and they hold that tree in place. But they also seek out nourishment. They go down deep to find the underwater aquifer or to find that place where the water's gathered, you know, even from a good rain and, and, and soak that in, suck it up into the leaves, which hold on to it until a time for it to die and fall. But that's what a root does. That root goes down and it seeks out good things to feed the tree. The root is the nurturer of the tree. The root is the, is the, uh, the feeder. You know, without the root, the tree dies. If the roots rot, which you've heard that before, especially with smaller plants, though. You get too much water, and they get root rot. That's usually the plants that are in a, in a pot, you know, potted plants. I've got one sitting across the room from me. It's called a snake plant. It's supposed to be good for cleaning the oxygen in the air and all that, but if you put too much water in it, it kills it. It doesn't take a lot, but its roots still need water. They still need to be fed. And, you know, with this little guy over here, it's up to me to feed him. He doesn't get out in the rain and the, and the, and the elements. I take care of him. But out there in the world, God takes care of these trees, doesn't he? But every once in a while, they'll get a hold of some bad stuff. Now, I've talked the other day about what happened in in a little town 25 miles away from me called East Palestine where a train rolled over, blew up, and then they blew it up more. And and some really bad stuff has leached 
into the ground. We don't know what's going to happen, but the fish and the wildlife are dead. Chickens are dead, you know, 10, 15 mile away or whatever. And, and, you know, this is, this is a horrible thing. That gunk that fell out of that train is going to get into the water supply. It already is. And it's going to get into the ground and everything around it could die. This, this place could, you know, it's a beautiful little town. I've been there many times. It's just a nice little town. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little bit downtrodden after the industries left, but it's still a nice little town. Clean and, you know, the people people are proud in a good way, not the bad way, but they're, they're, it's a nice little town, and it's going to die because of bad things are getting into the water. You can't live without water. Nobody lives without water. You know, a camel can go long long times without water because it stores it but without it sooner or later it dies we need water we need that nourishment that's what this root does with the with the plants and the trees it seeks it out and it it pulls it in to to feed itself so that it can live in your life you have the holy spirit living within you you also can have uh, not evil spirits, they can't live within you, but they can oppress you, they can, they can beat on you, and they can cause this root of bitterness to take place, springing up trouble. <laughs> Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and therefore, therefore defile. That, that root, that one root maybe sneaks over there and gets into that gunk that got spread out by the spilled chemicals and sucks that into the tree the tree's dead it's going to kill it with us it's the same thing when we let our roots grow out into the world when we don't hold them in when we when we allow the world to infect us with bitterness and it's easy because there's a lot of things that go on around us that can that can bring about bitterness our government alone, and the, the defilement that they put out. I mean, it's horrible. You know, this queer stuff. And then, you know, it's in the church now. Oh, he, her, him, she, they, them. Uh, I'm, I'm a non-binary, xenophobic, synthrith, whatever. You can't, even, you can't make this stuff up, but it's all around us. People, my wife's been reading a book. She said she brought it to me because she knows I like to do expositional teaching, expository teaching and preaching, which I've been castigated for openly and publicly in a church because I dared to teach people because they don't do that there. All they do is talk about dumb stuff. It means nothing. Here's a Bible verse, and then I'm going to tell you about a bunch of other things. And the and and the and the pews become more empty and more empty. But when you teach people this book that my wife is reading, it's written by a, by a Baptist, by the way, and he said, people who sit under expository teaching are the happiest Christians there are. Because why? 
They're hearing the word of God as it is supposed to be heard. They're absorbing the word of God as it is supposed to be absorbed. And it's not all about knowing. You know, there's people, wow, you're not, you know, you just got a head full of stuff. I got to, I'm trying to get a head full of Jesus or a heart full, however you want to look at it. And in, and if that is what it takes by the, the type of reading and studying and preaching that I want to hear, and we all should, we all should want to know more. We should walk out of our churches challenged to do more for God, even if it's just to do more for God in our own lives. To say, well, you know, I've never really read that passage that he used today the way he used it. Is that the way it should be? And then get back home and break out the Bible and say, well, wait a minute. <clears throat> any root of bitterness. You don't want any root. Now, it maybe sounds I'm being bitter today. I'm not. I get passionate. I get a little twisted up about things that I see happening around us in our world. Our, our country here in the United States has changed dramatically in the last several years, and it's going to continue to, not for the better. And it's not all about finances. I mean, that's that's a big part of things because we need money to live, right? But we also, the like the folks in this little town, they need water period. I mean, they're telling him, oh, the water's safe, you know. And uh, <laughs> I saw Tucker Carlson, a lady had bottled up some water she pulled out of her pond that was turning rainbow colors, right? And she said, here, governor, here's your water. Come drink some. Here you are, EPA man that says the water's okay. Come drink some. As a matter of fact, come over here. Uh, well, I think it was the senator from Ohio who who said he he challenged the EPA administrator to come and drink the tap water. No takers on that yet. They say it's safe for you. Is it safe for them? If I tell you something safe, I would prove it. I'm telling you right now that a root of bitterness that springs up in us is not safe. And we need to excise it. Because it's going to grow out and it's going to grab a hold of that bitterness and keep pulling it in and pulling it in. Telling you, hey, you can live however you want. That's a root of bitterness that's going to spring up in you. Look, God's an exposer of evil. When you look for God, you see a majesty. You see perfection. No evil can really stand in that light. Now, it says that the, that the devil himself stands before God accusing the brethren. But he, he, he's, I'm sure he's standing at a distance. Yeah, you go ahead and accuse me. I know I'm wrong on a lot of things. I know I do stuff I shouldn't do. Go ahead and accuse me, but you're not going to pull me away from God. That's what that root of bitterness happens. You know, when it starts to get in you, it pulls you away from God because God's not bitter. God is just, as in justice. 
His justice is not bitter. People say, well, he sends people to hell. No, you choose that. He didn't create hell for you. Created it for the devil and his angels. Are you one of his angels? Do you want to be? Did you set yourself up listening to some false preacher that would tell you, oh, it's okay, you know, you can get married 89 times, it's all right. No, it's not. There's a, there's a reason that divorce is allowed to happen in God's economy as well. Sometimes it just happens, folks. Repentance. I was watching it. I told my wife, you know, people uh, talk about John the Baptist, and then they try to make these little stupid jokes Oh, he was a Baptist. Ah, you know. Ah. And the Baptists believe in believer's baptism. You have to be saved, and then you can be baptized, and then you can join their church, which is uh, getting to me more look like a cult when they take it to that, dis- that, that distinct position on it. Yeah, that'll come back and bite me, and I don't care. I will stand on the Bible all day long. John the Baptist baptized people into repentance. Repentance, that R word that nobody wants to play with. Nobody wants to talk about. Because it's once saved, always saved. You don't need to repent, right? I don't need to repent of nothing. Somebody that says that's in trouble. Repent every day. I may have to repent for what I just said. I don't know. Listen. You cannot take whatever you want and stick the word Christian in front of it and make it okay. Now, you know, the ones that that get hit on the hardest are like the Christian rock artists. Christian rock. And then you have a preacher will tell you, well, that doesn't even fit. Well, it probably doesn't. But, you know, I've never met any of these guys, but I can tell you there are some that I thought were really well uh, versed, and I thought they, they produced music that was at least pleasing to the ear. And then I found out they haven't got a shred of any identity with Jesus that I can that I can even there one was a jars of clay I had a bunch of their CDs I may still have them around here somewhere I put a CDs in who uses those right you got Spotify you don't need CDs but anyway you, you know or YouTube or whatever but uh then I they come out and the leader the guy who sang for them came, came out and, and right out in the open he says well you know we've searched the bible and we can't find anything in there where this is the that that says homosexuality is wrong god made man and woman to be together it says if you're caught in, in, in Deuteronomy, I'm sure. If you were caught in, the, in that act, they were taking both out and stone you. There's plenty that says that's not good. It's an abomination to God. 
But yet this fella said, you know what I did? As much as it hurt. I mean, I really like their music. I'm, I'll be honest. You know, I, I'm an old rock and roll guy, you know, and and, and I, I had to divorce myself from quite a bit of that. Uh, and, as a matter of fact, at this point, all of it. But uh, that guy, I mean, they, they theirs was a different kind. They had a little acoustic kind of thing going on for a while. And, you know, they had a little bit of this and that. But when I heard that, I was like, I can't even listen to you anymore. You don't know what you're talking about. There was a young lady back in my my earlier days named Jennifer Knapp, K-N-A-P-P. I thought, man, she's got a unique voice. She was, you know, and again, acoustical kind of thing going on. And I thought, she's really, and then I find out, she's a homosexual, lesbian, open. I'm a Christian lesbian. No, you're not. God says otherwise. Now, some people may tell you, that's okay. You can do that because OSAS says so. Once saved, always saved. Eternal security. But do they draw the line there? I haven't asked one yet that. I'm going to, though, just for their own. I want to know. Well, you say once saved, always saved, right? You know, you've become a Christian and you've you've declared your love and, and, and you've confessed your sins and you've been baptized and all these things, but then you become a homosexual. What does that mean? Still saved? Oh, I'm, I'm sure they probably never were. Uh, you know, look, everything comes to the light sooner or later. If it comes, if it comes into the presence of God, when it comes up up against the the holiness of God, it, it, He exposes the wrong that's out there. So you can't just take and throw Christian in front of something and say, well, uh, it's Christian. All right, like Christian adultery or a Christian uh, liar or a Christian, ex- you know, all, all the things that you can come up with. You fill in the blank. That's why you hear so many people who don't claim Christianity first. They'll say, oh, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Presbyterian, I'm an Assemblies of God, I'm this, I'm that. Are you a Christian? I love that fellow in my uh, warm-up there in the beginning, it's Leonard Ravenhill, says, I don't even ask people if they're saved anymore. Everybody's saved from the, I think, what does he say, from the White House to the jailhouse. And I, I, I messed it up one time. I think it was just as poignant. From the White House to the outhouse. Everybody's saved. Yeah, the whole country. 78% claim that they're Christian at one point. That number, by the way, has dropped. Because you only got 40% of the young people who will even attend church or go along with Jesus. Because they've been indoctrinated through the evil school systems that they've been going through. From, from K through uh, Ph.D. graduate, they're trained to be inclusive, uh, homo, uh, uh, you know, all the whole thing. Let's just put it this way. Anything that's anti-God is fine with them, with the teachers' unions. I've known some really good teachers that are going to get mad at me if they listen. So if you are, I'm not, I'm not talking about you. If you are a God fearing, loving teacher and you don't do, I know there's many that don't, but there are many that do partake of this junk. 
But you can't just say, you know, so just cut to the chase. If you aren't ashamed of your walk with Jesus enough to just say, I'm a Christian. First and foremost, I shut a guy up. I really liked him. Now he won't talk to me anymore. But he, he, he went on about how he, his, his chosen denomination, I'm, I'm a, you know, fill in the blank through and through. I, I believe in their doctrine. I believe in their theology. I believe in this and I believe in that. And I said, do you believe in Jesus? Or do you just believe in that man-made junk? Where they cherry pick the gospel to, to fit what man felt was good for man. Well, but yeah, of course I do. Okay. Say that first. You need to be able to discern everything. And I'm going to tell you what, one of the most, I used to say this a lot. I picked it up from somebody else, but I'll say it anyway. One of the most dangerous places you could walk into at one point in time was a Christian bookstore. And people would say, what? Look around. Well, you can't now because the family Christian bookstores that were out there, they're closed. And I think they went from that to Lifeway or something like that. They closed. Southern Baptist, they closed. There's some there's some independents out there. There was the Berean, I believe. They might have been the ones that went to the Lifeway. I forget now. But it doesn't make any difference. They're closed. There's no brick and mortar anymore. You have to do it online. Now, I do use uh, ChristianBook.com when I order, like, some stuff I've done, uh, small little books here that I have. You, you can pick and choose what you want. You don't have to look at the faces of Joyce Meyer and Joel Osteen. Complete buffoons, by the way. But, you know, you'd walk in those places and it was like, what do I choose from? You know, all the shining, smiley, you know, Botox face, you know, uh, overly whitened teeth. Uh, listen to me, your best life and, you know, uh, this, that thing and the other thing. I'm making fun of them in a way, but I'm, I'm very serious. You'd have to, you know, I walk in and say, where's your classic section? Like the C.S. Lewis and, you know, uh, Tozer. Oh, it's back here. Way back in, you know, in a little corner in one little section of maybe 30 books. It'd be sad. It just makes you sad. Those those books, you know, even even if you're looking for Josephus, you can usually find him. He's a he was a Jewish historian where where you can find a lot out about what the times that Jesus lived in. And he went he he goes clear back to you know the beginning. And he's very well thought of in the in the community of Christians and Jews as a very good historian. You can find his stuff. You know, there's some other stuff in a, in a Christian bookstore that was well worth. Of course, the Bibles, you know, there's all kinds of them, though. And you, you'd be, you know, if you didn't know what you wanted when you went in, you'd end up with who knows what. Here, here, the message, it's really the way to go. And it's not even a Bible. It's just a paraphrased bunch of twaddle that's not even worth listen, looking at. But there's preachers that use it. Some I even like. They'll say, well, from the message it says, and I'm like, Goodness gracious, what are you doing? You know, listen to me. There's 
analogies. Peter wrote and said, you know, you, you, the dog that turns back and eats its vomit, the sow that goes back and rolls in the mud, you clean her up, she runs back and rolls around in the mud. That's because as a, the sow and, and, and the, the Christian as well, the person who's claiming to be a child of the king, claims to be walking the path of righteousness, but you only see that on Sunday morning, not during the week. They don't. They only crack that Bible open. They come up, show you their Bible, and say, "I've had this Bible for thirty years." And you look at it. And I got you know. You you look at another old saint that's got one they've had for five, and it's wore out. And theirs looks like it never got open because it probably didn't. Wear them out, folks. Buy a new one. If you don't have one, once you wear one out, find a way to get a hold of me and I'll send you one. We need to know what the Bible says or we'll end up being like that sow that goes back and rolls around in the mud. The sow doesn't know any better. That's why she does it. If she knew that being clean was better for her, she would not go to the mud. Christian, do you know that when Jesus cleaned you, cleansed you, redeemed you of your sin, he said to, like he said to the lady who was caught in adultery and a few other ones along the way, go and sin no more. Don't go back to where you came from. See that path that leads back to that? Don't go that way. Go this way, the opposite direction. He says, I've taken you out of that. Yes, you will sin. I never preach sinless perfection. Just get that through your head. But I do say this. You know what sins drag you down. You know what sins will get a hold of you and put that root of bitterness in you. Do we just stay in the mud? Do we stay in that sin? And still declare ourselves to be Christian? Do we still declare ourselves to be clean? Can you roll around in it and do whatever you want? No, you cannot. You can't live a life of adultery. You can't live a life of fornication. You can't live a life of of, uh, listening to ACDC or Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah, I hit the hard points. You can't listen to Jason Aldean and then, and then still be keep yourself clean because it'll pull you in. It'll hurt your spirit. Now, is he telling me I'm going to go to hell if I do that? No, I'm not. But I'm telling you this. The more you spend with that stuff and the less time you spend over here with God, the more that stuff's going to mean more to you. Where you spend your time, where you spend your efforts, where you do your uh, downtime, let's put it that way. There should be no downtime with a Christian. You should always have something that keeps you going in the way of God. Prayer is a good one. But the more you stay embroiled in those things of the world, the more that world is going to just rip into you. So what do we do? What, do, what needs to be left behind? 
Now, when you say left behind these days, people think about a series of books and movies that were put out, and the only thing that got left behind in those was actually the scriptures. Those guys that wrote that thing made a bunch of money, and they really messed up a lot in Christianity. The Left Behind series about the pre-tribulation rapture and those left behind. God said to Cain, sin lieth at the door. If you know that door is there, don't open it. Don't go through it. God says sin lieth at the door. I say to you today, Christian, if you know that the sin is lying on the other side of that door waiting for you, waiting to jump on you, waiting to drag you down, waiting to pull you away further from God, don't open that door. I had a very clear in-my-ear type thing happen to me years ago. I was going through a period of time where, now as a Christian, going through a period of time where there was a lot of strife, Christian strife going on. And uh, I, I was part of an organization at that point in time. We were trying to do something that was good for God, I thought, good for Jesus. And it was. It was a, it was a music festival, kind of small, small level, low-level thing nobody had ever heard of. And me and my buddy Mike were in it, and uh, we got on the phone talking to each other about these other two that were supposed to be helping as well, and they were more of an, uh, an encumbrance to it. But uh, I got frustrated, and I said, Mike, i got to go for a walk. And I put my iPod on, and I just took off walking. I said, I'll get with you later. And as I was walking, I was praying, and, 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 and just as clear as a bell, I mean, I'm telling you, I don't care what anybody says, oh, you don't hear the voice of God. I heard in my mind, in my head, in my ear, say, if it takes anything that takes you away from me, run from it. Now, that you can use for just about anything, and that's biblical. It's in the Bible there somewhere about, you know, flee, fleeing evil, fleeing fornication and adultery. You know, and those things always get tied in with sex and all that, but it's, it doesn't necessarily mean just that either. It means... You know, anything, you know, there's a, when you, you know, people, um, try to live, a, you, you're a Christian. You should try to live a moral life, right? Uh, what's that mean? Does that mean you put me under the law? No, there is a moral law though, isn't there? There's a moral law in our nation that's pretty much being trampled on, but there's also the moral laws of God, just like there's a law of gravity you know, there's a there's a force that pulls you down to the ground. You jump out this window, you're going to hit the ground. You're not going to fly to the clouds. God has laws. He has a he has a set that he gave us called the Ten Commandments. Oh, we don't go. I've heard people say, I don't have to follow the Ten Commandments. Well, you don't have to, but wouldn't you want to? That's Old Testament. That's under the law. Let me let me rephrase. rephrase. Let me remind you, just in common everyday English, what those commandments say. Love God. Love His name. Don't use it in vain. 
Don't curse God. Love his day, which is the Sabbath. Now, you can fight over that. We do Sunday because it, on the first day of the week, Jesus rose from the grave, which would be Sunday. And, oh, that's a pagan day and blah, blah, blah. But love the day that is set aside for Christ. Love every day because every day should be. But, you know, there's a day that we have set aside, and we should love and honor that day. Don't take anything. Don't put anything. Put nothing before God. Not your kids, not your grandkids, not your favorite car, not your favorite video game, music group, whatever. God comes first. Now, that's a very hard thing to do in a world where you haven't seen God yet, have you? But you have faith. We're, I'm studying hard on faith. I, I, I'm telling because we all need strength in faith. Then he goes from those things. You know, those are, those are the things that that are concerning God. You know, uh, that you that you uh, love God with all your mind, soul, heart, being, feeling, God, uh, your body, all everything, everything, and then you 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 honor His day. You honor his name. If you're a Christian and you're living a worldly life, you're just doing whatever because you can call yourself a Christian and and shack up or drink or smoke pot or whatever, you're actually using his name in vain. Think about it and get back to me if you don't like it. It's not just using his name verbally. It's saying, I am this, but I'm going to live like that. Can you do that? If you can, the Holy Ghost doesn't start dealing with you. And again, don't put anything before God. Have no idols is what he says. I'm, I'm playing around with just the vernacular of the day. Then it goes into the things that deal with the people around you. Love your parents. Don't kill anybody. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal from folks. Don't lie. Don't lie about anything. Don't lie about anybody. Don't lust after things that aren't yours. You know, even gambling can fall into this. You know, when you go to that gambling casino, I'm just going to play. You're throwing the quarters in. You're hoping that you win. You want to win? Stay out. Keep your money. Oh, but I won $400. And I only had to put 150 in. Well, you didn't win 400. What'd you win? Like 250? Listen to me. Those places are dens of hell. They give you free drinks in some of them and all that kind of stuff. You know, they try to keep you at the machines or at the tables or whatever. But I won all this money. And you got hooked into something that's almost as bad as the fentanyl coming across our borders. That's coveting. You're coveting the money that is in that place. You think you can take yours and trade it for more of theirs. You look at your neighbor's wife and say, man, you know, or you see his car and you think, wow, I want that. I want one of those. 
you know, and it's okay. Uh, in a, in a certain degree, you know, if your neighbor's got the flash Camaro or whatever, and you look over and they say, I wouldn't mind having one of those or the big truck with the big knobbies on it. And all, I wouldn't mind one of those, but to, to covet it to the point where you go so deep in debt, just to have the Smiths keeping up with the Joneses or you just kill your neighbor and take it. Cause Hey, I wanted it more than he did. Don't do that. Don't, don't do it. Love your parents. Don't kill. Don't, don't adulter it. Don't steal. Don't covet. Don't lie. Don't do any of those things and decide, oh, I'm a Christian. Don't, don't, don't shun church every chance you get. Well, the football game's on. Well, too bad. God's called you to a higher calling than a football game. Jesus didn't die so we could stay home and watch the Super Bowl and have a party. But, you know, that's what people want. They want fun. Churches that have Super Bowl parties just to get people in the door, that's always been a pet peeve with me. This last one, I'm going to talk about it for a couple of seconds here before I go into my last and final dissertation of the day. This last Super Bowl is... Half times this is evil is more evil than the ones preceding for the last 10 years have been just horrific. And I know guys that take these things and they, they break them down and they, they go for hours about, you know, I, I don't do that. I, I can just tell you, don't watch it. I actually did I, to just so I could say, well, I see what you're talking about. Cause I've heard people talk about how bad it was. And I look at, you know, on its face, it doesn't look that way. But when you have a spiritual discernment, when you have the ability to see the evil that these people are putting right in your face, you're like, uh-uh. And where do these people come from that are the ones chosen to do it? What was her name? Uh, Rihanna. She's, she's something else. You start digging into her past. You start listening to the lyrics of some of her songs, and you're like, good Lord, my kids might be listening. My grandkids could be listening. I wouldn't even let my pooches listen to this. Back on the music thing again. Now, let's, let's wrap up. If you got a Bible, and I really hope you do, go to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. Not a favorite chapter for most people. Now, I've heard guys do uh, sermons where they, they, they love to talk about the first part of this chapter. I heard a really bad one, too, but I'm not even going to go there. Where God says he shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, that's Revelation 21.4. That's always nice to hear. That, you know, there will be no more death and no, no, no more sorrow, no more dying, no more crying, no more pain for the former things that passed away. But a lot of things happened before that happened. But I want you to really understand something. Revelation chapter 21, verse 7 and following. He that overcometh 
shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now, he took that down into a very singular, one-on-one thing that he's saying to us. That he, the singular, that overcomes shall inherit all the things. Now, he, t- he tells in a verse before that some of the things that you'll inherit, of course, is the lack of pain and the, uh, the abundance of life that will go on and on for eternity. And uh, he'll give you uh, uh, that are thirsty a fountain of, of water, the water that, of life that will flow freely. But he also says there's a but in this. Now, that verse that I read to you a minute ago was verse number 7, 21-7 of Revelation. Yeah, there's people that won't even touch Revelation. They won't touch this verse at all. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. I'm going to say he or she in both incidents. He or she that overcometh, he or she shall be my son or daughter. But God is very, he uses these Uh, male pronouns, which means everybody. Okay, so women, I'm with you. Verse 21, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 21, verse 8. There's a but here. But the fearful, the unbelieving, and the abominable, abominable, murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, Here's a big one, comma, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now that judgment's already been passed on these people in the, pa- in the chapter before this, in chapter 20, where it talks about the great white throne judgment. But he says there, the, 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 those that overcome, those that, those that overcome fear, those who overcome the unbelieving spirit, those who, who don't indulge in abominable behavior like homosexuality, those who don't murder. Jesus says if you, if you think to kill your brother in your own mind, you have done it already. Those who are whoremongers, you look at that woman and you want her. Or you get her. You hang out in the bars and you're kind of checking them out. Or the guys, who knows. Sorcerers, those are both the witches. But if you look at the word sorcerer, it is, uh, a, it is equated to pharmacy. Pharmacia. Did you know that? Did anybody ever give you that little piece of information pharmakeus p-h-a-r-m-a-k-e-u-s that's a greek word where do you think we get the word pharmacy which denotes drugs from we get it from that word right there that was translated lovely by the king james version guys to sorcerer when you indulge in drugs and that includes alcohol to a point where it changes the and alters your mind and your thinking. 
you have fallen into a sorcery problem. You don't think right. You don't act right. You don't do right. Now, if you take pain pills for occasional pain, it may it may mess with your head. Does me? I, I'll be honest. I don't take them unless I'm really hurting. If I can't do it with an aleve, I I try not to. But you know, there are times when things get ahead of you, and you have to do what you have to do. You have surgery. You know, and yeah, that incision area hurts. And they tell you, don't let the pain catch up. You know, you might go through a week where you feel like this sorcerer has got a hold of you. But, you know, that's that's using it for the right reason. People who do it because they want to alter their thinking, that's trouble. Smoking pot, drinking beer to the excess, liquor, alcohol, whatever you want to call it, taking the pills because you want to get buzzed. None of these people, it says, make it through. They shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And that's not an annihilation death. That's a death of death. It just keeps happening over. You're going to burn and burn and burn. It never stops. The fearful and the unbelieving, don't let that evil root of bitterness get in there don't let that evil heart of unbelief i didn't get to that i don't think but hebrews 3 there's an evil heart of unbelief you don't have the faith that god can deliver you from the things that come your way divorce that divorce that unbelieving heart divorce the fearful you know i'm tired of uh, I got to watch what I say when I step into this pulpit or that one because uh, that'll be the last time they want to hear from me, and it may be. I hope that today is not the last time you want to hear from me. I'm doing the best I can to help us all try to live a more godly life and end up children of the king. Till the next time, take that in for what it's worth. I'm not angry. I'm passionate. Here at February the 17th, 2023. Pray for your country. Pray for East Palestine, Ohio. Pray for peace everywhere, and especially right there in your heart. In Jesus' name.